0: find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive.
1: You don't have a culture if you don't have the people, right, so people create a culture And if you think simply in that way, that the better the people feel, the more effective, efficient, productive your culture is going to be. If we want a positive culture, we need positivity within the people. And that's partly to do with people's mindset and mental health, but it's also partly to do with people's relationships and how they feel about their work. So investing in people and happiness is absolutely paramount.
0: This is Dr. Vicky Barnes, which is the founder of Positive Wellbeing. She is a very experienced mental health and well-being consultant and specialist in positive psychology. She has worked with some incredible organizations over the years, including the NHS, Virgin, Nestle, and many others. And it's always a great pleasure to have guests back on the show. And last time Vicky was on the show, we're in the early days of the pandemic, where we discussed how we practice radical transparency. And if you have not listened to that conversation yet, I would advise you now to on your feed to find episode number 62. A lot have happened since last conversation, and Vicky also been up to a lot. She has become an author of an amazing book called Free Happiness. I advise you to get your copy and read it here for the new year. We take a deep dive into the book and especially we talk about acceptance, courage and flow, and how the book can be used as a tool to improve happiness on a day-to-day level. We also talk about Vicky's future work, but also would involve how we can make sure that our planet can thrive. And survive in centuries to come. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter Maverick Talk via hospitalitymavericks.com. Here you will find much more insights into what Maverick leaders know and do, and you will never miss an episode. Now, grab your notebook. There's lots of great advice on how to improve your inner work and at the same time save our planet. Enjoy! So today I'm uh, really excited because there's nothing better when guests want to come back. And especially guests that have a lot to contribute with. And uh, today's guest, Dr. Vicky Barnes. um We're on in the, I think it was like after the first lockdown of the pandemic and we were talking about leading with radical acceptance, you know, accepting the situation you're in will actually make you start moving forward. And since then, a lot has happened and I'm so excited, Vicky, for you to, to, to be back. So... So, so thank you so much for coming on today.
1: You're welcome. It's it's exciting for me too, Michael. Thanks so much for the invite.
0: Yeah, and uh, and this time you you you're also coming back, and you you talked about the book, and we will go into the book as we talk about you know free happiness that that exactly came to fruition. You know, it's it's here. You know, the book and out there and helping a lot of people which is really really interesting so so today the, the vision as we had talked about is like how can we actually you know help people in this moment of time we're in but before we start and for people that hasn't listened to episode 62 yet that will probably after this one go back and listen to that can you just uh, give a little background about you and you know And what's happened since we we connected last time?
1: Of course, happy to. In terms of background, well, I'm I'm a clinical psychologist by profession and all of my life I've been interested in people and I wasn't particularly great at school, but one of my skills was to build good relationships with friends and I was always... of those people that people wanted to talk to and open up to and, and I like helping people feel better so that positivity and happiness thread was just throughout really and then I traveled a bit with university I studied my second year over in Texas at University of North Texas which was really good fun which gave me this love of Travel and meeting people from all over the world and different cultures with different views of the world and different backgrounds and different experiences and and how we understand each other better and diversity and all of that lovely stuff and moved around a lot with work as well. Um, in order to become a clinical psychologist, you've got to put the graft in and go wherever you can go to get the the, the assistant jobs and all the experience and and actually my first attempt at getting onto the the clinical psychology doctorate was. A very polite refusal from them because I didn't have a, a, a wide enough academic background and this was after having getting a, a bachelor's degree so I went and did a master's in neuropsychology because I was really interested in the brain and how that works because whilst people are all very different we've got this a really scientific model inside of our heads that it's really good to understand so I did that and then finally got accepted onto the uh, clinical psychology doctorate at Exeter Uni which is in the southwest of England and it's a beautiful place and and then I got really interested in the outdoors and nature and wildlife and the environment a bit more because I'm by the sea and it's just beautiful by the moors and things like that so um yeah worked a long time when i qualified in the nhs i worked for about 10 years i also worked for virgin group um so a, a very different experience there and then i had um probably the most difficult experience in my life where my life was headed in one direction with work with with love with home and health and then all of a sudden in the space of just a couple of months everything went in the opposite direction and I wasn't going forwards, I was going into, uh, well, I didn't know where I was going with any of it. And and all four of those things just radically changed. That was my moment of radical acceptance. I will be honest, I wasn't initially radically accepting any of those things. But as a process, (laughs) I started to radically accept and then came through it, obviously. And then what happened out of that were a few wonderful things, one of which is, creating and setting up my own business, which is called Positive Wellbeing, which is an organisational wellness consultancy working globally with lots of lovely clients around the world. Um, And now I'm getting more interested in um, the kind of environmental planet health side of things as well. So it's all about people and planet, which I know you're also really, really passionate about. So the business is going in a slightly different direction. I'm trying to give the people what they want, which is now more about conservation and sustainability which i'm really passionate about so doing that in organizations alongside working with people and their own mental health and you very kindly just mentioned the book which is one of my toolkits michael so i worked tirelessly for a year uh on that and then seven months to publish it so yeah i'm really glad that that's out there helping helping people in the way that it was intended to
0: yeah and and I guess, like you know, one of the things I think that's really interesting. I followed you, and uh, instead of maybe making to a question, you can maybe just confirm that what if you, if you go and follow Vicky, she actually practices in real life. You're actually trying to document it through your, your social media and so on. and you just told me before when this call, you just been sitting out and, and getting as much sunlight as possible. And I was talking about I've been out for a walk, and you know, and you you you, you you're really utilizing the techniques that's in your book, the tools. Kit in a way to to say actually was it more for yourself you're writing the book or was it for others because that's always interesting because there's some really really personal experiences in in this book as well
1: yeah well that's a really good question actually because when i never intended to write a book i never wanted to be an author it wasn't one of my aspirations but when I was speaking at conferences around the world, very fortunately, people were always asking me, can I buy your book? Can I buy your book? And I didn't have <laughs> one. So so again, it's giving the people what they want and thinking, OK, maybe there's a, a market here. But did I write it for myself or others? Well, I started writing it to help others. However, when I thought about the kind of book that I wanted it to be, it was the answer was really clearly it's the kind of book I would want to read. So it was kind of for myself in that sense, because. I couldn't write a book that I didn't feel wholeheartedly in tune with, agree with. There's nothing in there that I don't believe in fully. As you've just said, you're right. All of the techniques I practice, I don't always get it right. I get it wrong a lot of the time. Um, I'm not always happy. I'm not always positive. This is a, a bit of a something that people misunderstand about positive psychologists and happiness specialists. We're not all Always like that all the time. But what we do have is this toolkit that we believe in and we practice. And that's definitely something that I do. So, yeah, all the chapters are broken down into things that I think are genuinely really useful for most people, no matter where along that mental health spectrum you are, whether you're feeling really well and you just want to stay well, or whether you're actually feeling quite gloomy and you need a pick me up it's it's for, for everybody across the board because it's it's not rocket science it's everyday everyday stuff that's really effective and easy and accessible
0: hopefully yeah we'll come back in in a moment because i've chosen three chapters or areas of the book i thought those would be really interesting from some of the feedback i get from 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 you know what i hear what the audience is talking about and we're going to come back in a moment like and then what they are struggling with and how they maybe maybe we can elaborate a bit on that and you can maybe put some example on. Before we get to that it was also good to hear, you know, in your work with clients, just so like what what does a you know, a happiness consultant or positive psychologist Help companies with, you know, what what is the they doing? Are they going in to do a, a pep talk, and what, what what exactly are you doing when you go out there? There's probably some leaders out there that are thinking, well, how how is that relevant, you know?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, sometimes I do get asked to go and do a pep talk. <laughs> That's definitely within my uh, service list. So basically, what it is is, I mean, if you think about any company culture, you don't have a culture if you don't have the people, right? So people create a culture. And if you think simply in that way, that the better the people feel, the more effective, efficient, productive your culture is going to be. If we want a positive culture, we need positivity within the people. And that's partly to do with people's mindset and mental health. But it's also partly to do with people's relationships and how they feel about their work. So investing in people and happiness is absolutely paramount, I think, because Human beings basically want a few things. They want this is above and beyond all your basic needs like food and water and shelter, of course. But they basically want to be heard. They want to be understood, and they want to be happy. And I don't think there's a person on the planet that wouldn't agree that actually happiness is is really quite important. Now, people have different views on the word happiness, and um, some people like to call it being content or calm or whatever, whatever words you like to use. But that feeling that when you feel like, okay, life is okay, life is good, I'm I'm good, I'm okay. I call it happiness. You can call it what you like. But if we focus on that within our organizations as leaders and we foster that in our people, we are going to see the results in our culture. We're going to see things like um, better, increased, improved metrics and improved um customer and client and uh, colleague satisfaction surveys. We're going to be hitting targets more. So all of those hard results that the businesses need to survive, you're going to get that from the soft skills, which is focusing on happiness for your people.
0: What typical transformation do you then, you know, see or help facilitate when you go into to businesses? What What is it like? You know, that's probably not a typical use case because cultural challengers or blockers is very different from organization to organization but like how do you normally come in and what happens when you've been involved for some time
1: so usually i get asked to either do a one-off talk so it might be a speaking events um at a cpd conference team away day whatever it might be and then people get really inspired by it which is lovely we normally have a really good time happiness is a really good topic to talk about it's really positive it's really proactive it's energizing and then what happens is people see the value in it because then people are talking about it they're using the same language and there's always a toolkit at the end of it there's always something that people can go and and continue to do and keep that energy going so From that, normally what happens is then organisations will come back to me and ask for one of my programmes. So I've got various programmes and they're longer term. So they can be, depending on how often I work with an organisation, it can be a few weeks to a few months to a year or more. And that is to really embed all of the positive psychology practices into the team slash organisation through the most influential people. And the influential people don't necessarily have to be managers and leaders, but it's a group of people who are going to take this forwards because they're genuinely really quite keen to do it and quite motivated and on board. So yeah, there's there's one-off speaking events, there's programs, there are workshop series. I, I do all kinds of things. Uh, one-to-one coaching happens within the program normally, so I'll I'll work with a few people. Uh, there might be a focus group with a specific group of people who are going to implement it even more widely like a happiness snowball effect in in company or organization so yeah lots of different lots of different things and the book is actually for sale as a package as well so um, I know that you'll you'll allow me later to offer my uh, website and things like that but on the website there's a, a book packages page and and if a companies often buy a bulk, Uh, order of the book and then they'll get a bit of my time alongside that package which might be a one-to-one it might be a group workshop or it could be something uh, larger than that like an away day so and that's all very focused around some of the topics in the book as well which as I say, are just uh, really important for for humans and cultures.
0: Yeah, and then it's like you're very like around when you talk about it and when you're like giving people tools, it's it's not just about giving them the concepts. You're actually trying to give them tools as well, which I think is really, really interesting because often, you know, any kind of cultural thing becomes actually a lot of talk and no tools and therefore nothing happens on again and you're maybe not going to achieve what you want to achieve what is um uh if we start looking into the book now and we start we, we talked about you know radical acceptance last time and we in the book you talk about acceptance and i guess there's some yeah, and everything is connected also when you read this book and you i think you everybody should go and buy this book because what i said to vicky before we start actually i, I talked a lot about meditation by marcus aurelius or uh, Obstacle is the way. by Ryan holiday. Actually, this is just a different way and take and understanding it. Actually, it's good to see if there's something you believe in that works for you. Actually, see it in different formats. Actually, and I read a book. Actually, uh, some 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 months ago, I reread Dalai Lama's "How to Have a Happy Life." And uh, he will also again reinforce these things. And the funny thing is, is that actually we have all the tools we need to have a better life. We just don't use them. So, so if we go into the first one, coming back to that acceptance, what is that about, Vicky? And why is this important to accept things? Because it's unfair sometimes. Why, why, why is this happening to me? It could be a change that is coming. It could be personal stuff and. We all know when we enter in, that thing, it's not fair. I have to deal with this.
1: Yeah, that that comes also to values. So, if people who have a strong fairness value, as I do, will feel that very strongly that this isn't fair. You know, I don't, we don't, they don't deserve this. That kind of um, thought process around it, and that's really tough because the response to that normally is life isn't fair and it's not it's not but but if if you've got strong value in that in that direction then it's kind of unhelpful to just think well life isn't fair what's more helpful is to practice acceptance and acceptance for me is really around going through whatever emotions you're going through and not trying to stop anything so you're not trying to block anything so it's not acceptance isn't around oh yeah just be happy with the situation it's not really that it's a bit different to that if you're unhappy with the situation or whatever the feeling might be no matter how negative it feels to have that emotion it's allowing it and I I see emotions in life almost like you've got this stage and all your emotions are actors and actresses and they're all playing a part and you've got to let or each of them have a bit of the limelight so if sadness comes in or regret or guilt or shame or annoyance or frustration or anger and, and a lot of the emotions that people don't want to have anxiety the feelings that people don't want to have and we try to push away if you just let that emotion have the limelight shine the light on it give it some stage time But be aware of that and don't give it too much stage time. Don't let it take over the whole show because you've got all these other wonderful emotions like excitement and joy and love and um, all of this nice stuff that you actually want to feel. We want to feel more of that because it's nicer for us. It's more pleasant. But you've got to let every emotion shine because it's got a message for you. There's a reason that it's there. And if you don't do that you're just you're just pushing it behind the curtain and it's it's then going to start to kind of punch through the walls and start to fight with the other emotions and and it wants its center stage for a while so I think that acceptance to me is more around you've got all these characters in your life they are going to be there and I I always say that two of the most amazing things in the world are people and technology but they're also two of the most stressful things so technology and people can bring stress in into your life but your role as your you've got your own character in your in your film show or your movie which is your life you are also a character in that so what are you going to do how are you going to react to that you've got all this other stuff going on you can't control any of it really you can only control yourself so having that for me that analogy is really helpful it depends how your mind works but that kind of stage and your character's analogy whereby you are kind of you're not in control of how they're all doing at any one time but you're in control of how much of the stage presence you give to them. I don't know whether that makes any sense because it's just the way my mind works, but to me that's acceptance.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say as well as like there's something you struggle with, let it, give it some space just to play out a little bit, then also step away from it and get perspective on it and actually say that, you know, especially if you feel somebody is not playing a fair game, they are stepping on your values, it could be a work situation, actually the best thing you can do is to accept that's the way they have decided to operate. But that doesn't mean that I need to operate that way. And it's actually it's not taking anything away from me. It's besides it's actually fueling my anger. And actually it's not helping me. So so it's actually accepting that situation, which I think it's it's quite is it's, it's quite powerful. And it's actually not that difficult if you actually I think I read somewhere in a in, in a book uh Was it? Was it? Which book was it? I can't remember. But it's talked about. There was one in about the Stoics about actually the Stoics' ability to zoom out from the situation and accept it. Like and spend a bit of time of doing that, you will find out it's just a little bit of thing of all the nice things there is in the world. and you don't have to deal with it. And sometimes you need to deal with it and you have to accept I have to deal with it, but you, you don't have to, to get involved like mentally. I really really liked your analogy of like, just like let it flow a bit and without taking over. Because I think there's there's, a, there's so many things flowing around right now. You could easily be taken over by negative emotion as well, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting that you talk about stoicism. And I know that you've done a lot more reading and research into that than me. But we were talking, weren't we, uh, when we were just having a chat before about how that's related to a lot of the things that I talk about. And, and I think one thing that's just come up for me there, which is also really helpful for me, is... I do get quite overwhelmed with things because I'm, I'm quite a I'm quite a sensitive type naturally. My temperament is to take things in and to notice things, and um, whether it's about people or the environment, and I get quite affected by people who are upset, animals, whatever it might be. So I take a lot in, but then when you've got a lot of stuff going on in your own life as well, and you've got your own business and your own house or whatever it might be, and you've just got to keep going, sometimes I think, okay, I'm overwhelmed with all of these, whether it's options or tasks or problems or whatever it might be and sometimes it's good to just as you just said about stoicism always helicopter above it and just let everything land or throw it all up in the air however you want to look at it and just see what bubbles back up to the surface if you can you kind of just leave it for a while and just step away take a step back and rather than zooming right in and trying to get in can't see the wood through the trees and trying to sort everything out zoom out and just see what actually bubbles up and those things that bubble up will might be the things that you need to focus on. And sometimes, quite often, a lot of the other stuff, which you could have wasted so much time and energy on, just dissipates and it disappears and it sorts itself out. We can get so caught up and entangled with trying to deal with all of our problems and the world's problems and actually sometimes just having that reflective time and thinking of okay, how I'm not in control of all of this and just really allowing the the important stuff to take going back to the stage analogy analogy to take center stage and, and just dealing with that can be really really good for our, our mental health and and our physical health as well because we're we're calming our system and we're we're relaxing everything a little bit and not taking the world onto our shoulders which a lot of us can can quite
0: easily do yeah and especially in the world we live in now where there's so much going on and i think i want to take us on to the next thing you write a chapter around courage and you know you need to you know when you you have the ability to do something that frightens you you write in the book um and I guess a lot of people, a lot of leaders is out there now standing in front of lots of challenges. You know, there's lots of demands after we thought the pandemic was tough. I said that when we before we started out as we were chatting as well. But I think a lot of leaders, especially in this show, there's in this sector, really feels the pressure now and finding the courage to to move on can you talk a bit about 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 courage and maybe connect it a bit about to the the world we're in now and the leadership challenge within that
1: yeah well I think we've all been really brave to just get through this you know (laughs) there's been so much that's happened in the past few years if you look at it but actually some of it we're looking back at And whenever we're looking back at something, we've come through it. Right. So we've been really courageous already. So we've all got that. Anybody who's here today (laughs) is already so courageous and it might not always feel like that. But I think, again, it's zooming out a little bit and thinking about it in a bit more of a reflective way. What is courage? And I think it's really important to recognize that we're only given one life. Right maybe who knows we might be back but as far as we know we're here right now and this is it for us right now so if you have been given this one life what are you going to do are you going to be safe be a bystander and kind of watch your life safely pass by and just make sure you don't step outside those lines don't don't do anything outside your comfort zone don't step outside the box don't have a voice unless you know that it won't you know, going the wrong way? um Or are you going to actually perform in your life? And are you going to get right in there, get stuck in, get your hands dirty, get your feet wet, you know, say what you want to say, have a voice, be heard, be really authentic is the word and, and vulnerable as well. I mean, you'll know that I, I talk a heck of a lot about vulnerability and and one of my programs is all about vulnerability and vulnerable leadership is something that I get asked to do a lot in organizations that you would not expect to be asking me to talk about vulnerability believe me but but people want it because that's how we live our most authentic life by actually being vulnerable and and people see vulnerability as a weakness but it isn't I think it's actually our strength it's it's how can it be a weakness if it takes so much courage to show vulnerability like that to me if you think about that for a second it doesn't make any sense that vulnerability is a weakness when it's so takes so much strength to to go there and be vulnerable so it's a strength it's a courageous act vulnerability so i don't see those and i write this in the book as well i don't see vulnerability and courage as opposites a lot of people see we're either brave or we are vulnerable. And it's like one happens or the other happens. But I see them as sitting right next to each other. If we are vulnerable, then we are brave. To be vulnerable is to be brave. And the most courageous things we can do in our lives will often be the scariest, they'll be the things that we might well fail at, they'll be the things that we're really worried about, they'll be the things that cause that fire and a little bit of butterflies in our tummy. But there'll be the things with the biggest rewards, and there'll be the things that we look back on our lives and think, I'm so glad that I went for that, and I did that, and I had the courage to do so, because that's me, that's me really performing in my own show, and it's back to the movie of my life, I had no intention to talk about being on stage in in a movie, who knows where this is going to lead, I don't know, but it seems (laughs) to keep going back to that movie, you know, where are we going to be the protagonist? Are we are going to be the, the lead? Are we going to be the star? Or are we just going to sit in the audience and watch our lives as it goes
0: by? Yeah. We're going to be the hero, the mentor. That's, uh, that's, that's also in the, in the, in the story wars. Uh, line. <laughs> um it's it so interesting, you know, because like lots of leaders encourage is, is to just to crack on, deal with it hard. And then you start to talk about vulnerability and actually, you know, saying hey actually i'm not okay I, or "I actually need some help um um and actually i've seen uh and i work with people very senior people actually do that during the pandemic to their teams and the impact it had positively that was not like lack like, like there was they were actually you know relieved that 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 person actually felt like that because they actually by that she or he would give permission to be vulnerable and I think that's, that's, you know, having the courage to do that. Also now as things just gets, feels like it's going to get a bit, a bit tighter and everybody talk about next year, is going to be a very difficult year, have that in mind, you know, it's okay to say, yeah, I'm, I, I don't always have the answer and I'm, yeah, I'm also struggling. I find it hard to find a balance or whatever it is, because it is hard to find balance and have the perfect life? It's impossible.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think I think also leaders, because because of the nature of the role that they have, and they have an accountability and responsibility for people in their teams, they they often say to me that they're scared of opening the kind of worms and being vulnerable or talking about vulnerability or opening up the conversation about mental health because they don't want to open the kind of worms and they don't know how to deal with what they might get, but. My response to that is always, well, the can of worms is there, whether you open it or not is up to you. You either open it now or it's going to burst open later on. So, you know, you're not, you can't hide what's there. It's there. And it's putting it again onto the stage and out there into whether it's a conversation or whatever it is. You're actually just giving it enough light to shine on it. When you shine a light on something, it just exposes it to the point where it's then dealt with. And it's a lot easier to do that. And I think that, any everybody that I've worked with without fail I've never had anybody come back to me and say oh I'm I'm really disappointed and I regret talking about vulnerable leadership (laughs) but it just doesn't happen people say wow what a change in the team wow we've really come together we really support each other now oh my word my my cultures just burst into this really positive, communicative, effective workforce and and things like that. And at the end of the day, vulnerability is a human trait that we all have. So why hide it? It's there as much as, as you know, the, where you're from, where you were born, who brought you up? These are just things about humans. Vulnerability is a human trait. Like we all want to be happy. We, we all have emotions. We all have vulnerability that's just the way it is so shying away from it is kind of really counterproductive actually and um, moving into it as what people tend to feel like they've benefited from in terms of relationships and really moving a, a, a culture forward to a positive and psychologically safe environment which we know is really important in teams
0: yeah and especially you know as we are hitting more shaky shaky world for 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 businesses uh... In the next coming years or already now for for the, the audience of this you know the people are holding on and actually you know vulnerability is actually maybe a way to to face that and actually deal with that and actually come through the start time that, then i also wanted to talk with you about flow because that's something i'm very obsessed about myself because we talked about before we started talking about we need to accept the situation it is what it is This is what you've been giving. You need to get the best out of it. And sometimes also just let it go. Don't try to work it or fight it. And then we talked about the courage to do things you didn't think you want to, and then we ended up in vulnerability. Um, But then also flow. I feel like really what kept me going through the pandemic was actually I found out where my impact zone, I call it. But flow is a great philosophy around that as well. Like how do you actually make sure that you put yourself in that zone at least 80% of the time? a day and that's ambitious because some days you said some some days I'm only thirty percent and some days I'm sixty and some days I'm seventy percent. So talk to us a bit about flow and why what are your ideas around the concept and why it is so important to be aware of this.
1: I'll start with one of the things that gets in the way of flow for most of us. Because we are these wonderfully evolved human beings with these huge frontal lobes which do a lot of thinking all of the time <laughs> we are obsessed with thinking and we don't even mean to but we're constantly weighing things up thinking about the pros and cons evaluating analyzing su- supposing uh, presuming we're, we are judging. we're constantly doing all of this stuff and I think that we're doing it more now because of the rise in social media so we've got a lot to compare ourselves to and is my life as good as it should be have I got what I want am I where I'm supposed to be and everybody else seems better off and all of that stuff and how many followers do I have and all of this stuff is you know really is it important depending what you do it may well be but for most of us is it really is it really the important thing And I think that all of this and notifications popping up all the time, it gets in the way of flow because we get too entrenched into our thoughts. And we're we're always coming back to this frontal lobe kind of mechanism thinking. So so what the barrier to flow is often um, I I don't want to say overthinking because we're humans and we're, we're thinking all the time. But I suppose thinking in the wrong kinds of ways so, or on helpful kinds of ways. So, the best thing about flow is that when you're really in it, you're in the zone. You're really engrossed in one thing. You're completely immersed in it, and you're not really thinking about anything else. So, you're still thinking, but you're just on task. Or it might be a hobby. So, this could be work or personal life, right? So, so flow at work might be that you're really immersed in a task that uh, you're really enjoying, and and flow in your personal life might be. A hobby or activity that that you you do once or twice a week or whatever it might be it could be a conversation with somebody if we're in flow now Michael it means that we're not thinking about oh what was that thing that happened earlier that really annoyed me or oh, what am I gonna have for my tea tonight or anything like that we're just thinking about the conversation the really interesting topics that we're talking about because we're really in the zone and um, the great thing about flow is what you're doing is you're giving a lot of your brain a break because you're utilising just specific parts which are being really mindful. And we know through all the research on mindfulness how important that is to our health. So I don't need to talk about that. I'm sure everybody's aware of how beneficial mindfulness is now. But flow is it's really bringing in those mindfulness centres. It's really um, creating a, a kind of a zone whereby we're We're not utilising all of our brains all of the time. We're giving a lot of it a rest. And we need to do that just in the way that we need to give our bodies a rest. Our brains, our poor overworked brains need a rest from all of that thinking too. And getting into a state of flow is, is one of the best ways to
0: do that. And you also talk in the book about I think this is really important as well. As also, we, we we also built to be used, you know, like to get in flow we need to go and use and not just think about it. We actually need to go and do things, but also it means like to regenerate, go out in you know, in nature for walks or whatever. Actually connect ourselves with thing and actually being use our bodies as well because we sit down a lot. And I think also that what I think sometimes that also maybe also help. That's my assumption is that to, to to overthink things because you are literally sitting down and you the only thing you do when you sit down is thinking. But actually when you're moving around, you actually think better, you know, like and go for a walk around lunchtime. There's lots of problems that was in the morning. Suddenly they just disappear or you know exactly what to go and do or what to say in that situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one of my, um, the best time for me to be creative, it's quite unfortunate, really, Michael, but I've, I've found a way around it, because us positive psychologists do that, of course. But one of my most creative moments is right before I'm about to fall asleep. So I have some of my best ideas, just as I'm about to fall asleep. And the reason for that is my brain is, it's closing off all of the thoughts that go on the rest of the day. So it's given this moment to shine and be really creative. The downside is, I then have to get up and write it down, otherwise I'm going to forget <laughs> it because I'm. I love sleep, so I really don't want to get in the way of falling asleep. But if I don't write things down, then I have to. But I've got this method now where I've got a notepad and pen right next to my bed and I have it open on a clean page so I don't even have to turn the light on I just scribble I make sure I'm on the page I'm not on my table and I just scribble and in the morning I can decipher the notes or I've got another mental imagery technique that I use whereby I've got a box of things and as long as there are only three or four things in there I can remember them when I open the box in the morning in my in my mind's eye so uh, that, that's the way around that but but the point is that I'm I'm kind of in a flow state when I'm getting into bed because I'm very good at not having screens in the bedroom and I just, everything's about going to sleep. So it's a very relaxing environment. So I'm getting into flow because I'm I'm being mindful I'm breathing deeply and I'm calming down and increasing parasympathetic nervous system activity and all that lovely stuff and getting into a state of flow and that's when my brain goes into its really great creativity mode so if we can do that in the daytime by as you say getting out walking in nature being in the trees or whatever it might be and um getting away from too much thinking then we can really give our brain space to have the best ideas that it's going to have
0: yeah and, and that's what flow is all about actually putting yourself finding out what your perfect flow situation is um what is like a one of the most pressing issue you would like to see moving on from from the conversation the book like but what is like the pressing issue you would like to see solved in this world with with your maybe having the happiness hat on
1: well i would like some of some countries and cultures are doing this already but i would like happiness to be used as a measure for um cultures and countries so and a bit bit like we've got GDP so gross domestic product product is all about you know how successful is a country based on money basically so it's a very financial approach but I think that happiness should be right in there And, and in some countries it is so um a lot of countries are now looking at the well-being index the happiness index and I, I i love that and i i would like that to be a global thing because it matters it's meaningful it has a huge impact and it works and it'll affect everything so actually how successful we are in general and it goes back to what i said before about soft skills leading to hard results in organizations it's the same for a community, a society, a country, and an economy. I'm a member of um, the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, which is um, kind of a global collaboration of people who are just really passionate about this. And if we look at wellbeing as an economy, we really change the way that we view things, uh, the way that cities are built, the way that community spaces are generated, inclusivity, um, understanding and accepting difference in people and what we all need looking after wildlife nature and the environment and and back to planet health as I talked about before so all of that is kind of encompassed in this well-being economy framework, which I absolutely love. So for me, that would be an amazing world if we can. We're making steps, big steps, but it takes a long time to change, change a culture, as you know. So that would be my uh, that would be my top thing, I think.
0: Challenging the existing model where it's just built on, in principle, capitalism, financial success and actually, you know, weave in, you know, wellness. And it, give, it gives totally good sense because if we... Better taking care of ourselves, we also will be more conscious about what we do with other things because, like, consciousness doesn't just come from from heaven, it's actually something you work on because you, you can manage yourself and you feel that I have a happy life, I'm okay as you said in the beginning. Um, what is is it that you're most excited about right now, uh, Vicky, of all the things you, you're working on, what is like something that really makes you excited? You, you you made a little uh, open the door into talking about how to actually connect happiness and the planet. Is that one of the things you're really excited about?
1: That is the thing I'm really excited about. Yes, exactly that. It's It's something that I've been working on for years now, but it's finally become my focus. So, yeah, I'm really excited about making new connections. I'm already talking with quite a few people about going overseas next year and doing some work from a range of things really but I've done some humanitarian support work in the past as you we've talked about I think last time when I went over to the British Virgin Islands and helped after Hurricane Irma with their mental health support so there's a bit of that and lots of countries need more support with that but there's also lots of leadership support that needs to happen around the world as well especially in more and kind of developing areas And I'm really interested in uh, wildlife conservation. I love animals and wildlife. And in my job, there's not a direct link to that. So I'm really excited to do more volunteer work around that. But then my learnings around the volunteer work that I'm going to be doing in that space will, will bring in conservation and sustainability ideas so that I can then weave those into my programs which I'm starting to do already and one of my programs being sustainable happiness which is all about how do we look after ourselves at the same time as looking after our environment nature and the world and those two things are absolutely hand in hand and I would like uh nothing more than to see a world whereby we people are more side by side with nature and wildlife and in some communities in in the world they've got that they've absolutely got that and they're that actually some of the happiest communities so it's really important that we do that i think so that's one of one of my most exciting projects at the moment
0: two more questions vicky the book you will give away nine out of 10 times and it's not your own which book is that <laughs>
1: I always, always go to Brené Brown. So nine out of 10 times, it would be Brené Brown. And it would be any of her books, really. But I have just, I say read, actually returned to, because I do read her work a lot, uh, Daring Greatly, which is a lot about leadership as well as life in general. But it is all about what I said before, really, putting yourself out there and not just being the bystander of your life, but actually getting in there and and. And doing life. So Brene Brown.
0: That's a very good example. I'm just reading uh Atlas of the uh, the heart, I think it's called. I uh, it's by it's one of the the, the five books. I, I read five more than five books at a time, and it's just because I like to flip in and out of them. That's how, how my brain works. Um but that's one of them, and it's a really, really fascinating book, uh, as well from Brene Brown. That's a really good one. So um is there one question you wish I've asked you, but I didn't? And what would that question be? And what would you have answered?
1: Crikey. I do not think anybody's ever asked me that question before. Um, I think it's probably a question that we should all be asking each other a bit more often, which is um, well, it's a two-part question, if I may. One is, how are you? How are you? How are you really? How are you really? And um, what do you need? I'm always telling people to ask these two questions. So yeah if you if you'd asked me those then i'd be very grateful and i'm giving you my answer am i as well
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: so how am i um i am um a little bit scared of the project that i've given myself which i talked about just now and i mean scared because i i put my my all into everything that i do and anybody that knows me knows that i'm a very determined person slash stubborn <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but i like to think of it as perseverance and um i i really want to do this but i'm scared that uh it won't be that straightforward and it hasn't been so far so there's been a lot of brick walls already believe me so i'm scared that I'll. I'll. What's that f word that we all hate, which is fail. Um, and then there's a whole chapter in the book on failure, so I'll need to remind myself of my own <laughs> and make sure that I do that. But yes, I'm kind of scared of it going a bit um, off course and taking me in a lot of scary directions that I haven't anticipated. And um, what do I need? The second part of the question. I think. I think I just need. So I. Well, I probably need contacts at this stage, don't I? I'm making contacts with lots of different people in the space of wildlife conservation environmental um, sustainability so yeah if anybody's listening then they'd like um, a volunteer or a collaborator or to her chat about how this might work in the wellness space then um, yeah that would be amazing get in touch <laughs>
0: great anyone out there reach out to me so i can put you in contact with vicky or she will give you details in a second you can uh, you can reach out to herself she's also on linkedin i know so that leads us to where where can we find you and uh, how do we connect with you
1: oh brilliant thank you michael so my website has got all of my social media links on there and my email to get in touch and that is www.drvickybarnes.com uh, vicky spelt v-i-k-k-i barnes is b-a-r-n-e-s and yeah there's my linkedin which is dr vicky barnes twitter and um, instagram um, yeah, and yeah there's a contact page on there as well so um lots of information about the things we've been talking about today including the book and my services so yeah, i would be happy to be contacted
0: well with your own word thank you very much for coming and i'm sending you then courage to do the thing you need to do.
1: Bless you, Michael. I appreciate that so much. Thank you.
0: I really appreciate that you're listening in. So, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate, or give a review, or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is the key to become a better leader. So, I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books. To improve yourself, others, and the organization, find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly at podcast at Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick!